The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. (laughs) It's probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean... Um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. We have a Nebraska basketball podcast this week. So naturally, I have Jacob Padilla, Hill Varsity's basketball writer on the podcast to chat with me. Jacob, hello. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. How about you, Derek? I'm okay. Um... The NBA season just started, and, and already I'm not interested, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, it's one of those things. I, I was I was talking to my brother about this um, a couple nights before the season started. So we're both in a fantasy basketball league. You know, you were in it one time. Yeah. And he drafted Josh Giddy really high. And I said, ah, it feels like a reach. And he's like, he's going to put up big numbers. And I was like, Really? Because given the way Victor Wimbanyama has looked, I kind of get the sense that Sam Presti is going to break all of the Thunder players' legs so that we don't have a roster this season to ensure that we can draft this kid. And he's like, no, 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 they're going to win. They're going to win. It's going to be fine. And I was like, I see this dude looks like a literal alien, like like unlike anything that we have ever – Like he's like, we keep getting different – unlike any we've ever seen players. And this is the next one. Like, he's bigger than Giannis. And I didn't think that that was possible. And I feel like Sam Presti just going to be like, okay, all of our guys are hurt. We can't play. Sorry, forfeit. Uh, to make sure that we get this kid. And um, so I'm kind of I'm kind of out on this season already, and we're one game in. Um, so that's that's where I'm at. How, how uh, scale of 1 to 10, how angry are you at Luka Doncic for not being a, a member of the Phoenix Suns? I'm not angry at him. He had no choice in the matter. Uh, I'm angry at our outgoing owner and everybody involved with making that decision. But um, that's a few years in the past now. And it felt good to kind of get that win last night, especially because everybody that in the first half, everybody was loading up their jokes. Uh, Everybody's firing off the tweets. Uh, uh, Luca broke the suns, yada, yada, yada. And heck, I I was in a bad place uh, through the first two, two and a half quarters. Uh, and then the Suns remembered who they are and came back and won the game somehow with on a Damian Lee game winner, which not sure I have that happening at any point this season, let alone in the opening game. But um, I, I'm curious to see how exactly the, the taking thing goes. Uh, because again, they've got the, the flattened odds. Um, there are a lot of teams that are like, you may not have to sink to the depths to 
be in the race for it simply because there are a lot of teams that actually are pretty good. Like they built up rosters pretty well. And I don't think they're, I mean, there's a group of teams that are clearly, clearly tanking um, are in, are kind of in that mode, but even in the West, like how many, like 12 teams out there that think at least early on, like, yeah, we, we've got a chance to actually take a step forward. Um, like the Kings are fighting for a play in, in it's San Antonio, it's Utah. And look what Utah did to, to Denver in the opening game. It's OKC. And actually, I mean, I think this year, though, for the first time, like OKC has a chance to, even if they, they aren't great, they have a chance to be fun bad uh, with because they're actually going to be playing their rotation guys now. They're not going to be signing dudes off the street. They've got when enough you say young Poku, guys. I'm going to kick you off the podcast. Yeah, I mean, Poku is basically just like uh, Victor minus what six inches, right? Uh, <laughs> and, and and minus ninety five percent of the talent. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, ninety ninety five might be an, a bit of an exaggeration. He is actually playing in the NBA right now, so that puts him well above the rest of us. But uh, yes, I'm just saying ninety five percent of the talent yeah. of Victor. Not of not of. I mean, not of. Yeah, and it is, uh, it is unfortunate what happened with with Chet, and um, because they had a chance to with Chet and Jalen Williams has been really interesting uh, as a young guy. Um, you've got a few of those other guys, obviously Shea when he plays uh, another thirty piece last night. Uh, my my buddy was actually had actually decided like he's always been a follow the players, just watch the league in general guy. Decided he finally wanted to pick a team. And he settled on Oklahoma City uh, because of like where they are. Like he didn't want to pick a team that's competing for a championship. He didn't want to just hop on the bandwagon. He wanted to pick a team that's kind of on the ground floor and follow them on the rise up. Uh, and he liked the, the core pieces there in Oklahoma City. Uh, but he lives in Kansas City, and uh, OKC games are blacked out there. And it's like 130 extra bucks on top of what he's paying to, to get the channel just to watch the Thunder. Yep. Games. So he disappointed, but is already deciding, well, this just isn't worth it for him. So great job, NBA. You, uh, you would have had a, a brand new Oklahoma City Thunder fan who has decided you've made it too difficult for him to be a, a fan of, of that team. So it's now remarkable how poor gonna, yeah. the, uh, the TV deals, TV contracts are for some of the professional leagues. It, it's, it's really remarkable. Um, also, just a, a word to the wise – there, like, it always sounds good in theory not jumping on a bandwagon when you're picking a new team and going with the like the up and comer. It's I, and until you you're ten years down the road and it's just an absolute nightmare existence. As for myself, a fan of Tottenham Hotspur, you're just forever tortured. So jump on a bandwagon. Just don't jump on the on the Lakers bandwagon. I texted Greg. I texted Greg, and I was like. Bro, this Lakers roster is not it. They look like they went dumpster diving in the cast-offs bin in the offseason. They're like, yep, we'll take that guy. He's got a name. We've heard of this guy before. Oh, hey, I remember him. And they just signed a bunch of dudes. It's... <clears throat> Yikes. Um, what they've done the last few years uh, since their championship, just continuing, all right, yeah, him, him, him. Hopefully this will work. And nope, hasn't worked. That's what happens when you have a billion dollars invested in two players. Yeah. Oh, Let's but they talk- extended uh, Plinka, though. Um, so congrats to him. Congrats to him. <laughs> it's good news for you. <laughs> good news for the rest of that division. Um, 
Let's talk about Nebraska basketball going into year four under Fred Hoiberg. Nebraska has already been forced to make a coaching change by one underperforming uh, head coach in a revenue sport. Jacob, are they going to have to make another one this season in basketball? Let's let, let's just start there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's if Fred Hoiberg certainly has an uphill battle, and th- this is uh, so. My buddy and co-host on the Nebraska Shootaround podcast, Jacob Bigelow, uh, kind of sent me this, um, and from from Trev Alberts way back uh, a while ago, and. Uh, you, and the quote is, you don't have to win every game. You really don't. But you, have, but you better have a team that competes every night. You better have a team that's fundamentally sound. You have to have a team that plays together, that will never quit, does things the right way, and represents the values and ideals of Nebraska and our alumni. So that was um, uh, him from a, a while back, uh, from, from February. That was Trev Alberts just talking general about what he wants to see from the program. If that sounds familiar, it's because those are basically the exact same talking points that uh, Fred Hoiberg has brought up every single time he's, he's stepped in front of a mic uh, this offseason. And that has Oh, been I thought you were going the frost route. Oh, that no. Was the, uh, that was, that no. was the frost route. We're, we're on basketball makes, here. Uh, makes sense. So uh, I, I know frost like, seemed to take, like on the surface level, seemed to take the advice of Alberts and obviously made staff changes and all that, but seemed like he never quite actually went all in on doing what needed to be done to keep the job. Um, and I think part of this is uh, out of necess- necessity because Fred Horberg did go after some kind of bigger names, talented offensive players in, in the transfer portal and just didn't land any of those guys. Um, so he kind of had, was like, all right, no choice. Uh, we're going to go with these uh these other guys that maybe aren't stars, aren't big time scorers, but they play hard. They play smart. They come from winning programs. Uh, defensively, they're going to give effort. And that's kind of been the theme of this offseason. That's what they're going to, they're kind of taking a different approach this season. Um, with They've got more length up and down the lineup. They've got more size. Uh, they've got more defensive potential, I guess. We'll see kind of how the execution plays out. Um but it seems like the players are at least what they're saying. Uh, like CJ Wiltshire said today, um, we're recording this on Thursday and Hoiberg and Wiltshire talked to the media head of their exhibition game uh, coming up on Sunday and said like the players are kind of taking ownership of the defense and they're getting on themselves when they make a mistake They're getting on each other. They're trying to hold each other and themselves accountable um, to make sure that they are doing the right things, that they're fighting through fatigue that they're making the right rotations or in the right spots. And those are all things that did not happen last year. So, I mean, talk is cheap, but everything I, so I've liked a lot of the talking points that we've heard from them this offseason. It seems like they're at least attempting to do the things that at least in this stage and where the program is that I think they need to do in order to kind of establish a, a ground level. And then we'll see where they go from there. The question is, do they have enough talent for that to matter? So you have a um, in your in your padding the stats column on Fred Hoiberg's year four. I think it, when was it? I think it was uh, end of September. Um, you talked about the sort of the recruiting mission with Matt Abdomasi running things to go get names, talent, three point shooting, and the guys that they brought in didn't necessarily fit the way that Hoiberg needed to play. One of the things that that 
you cite in this column that you also just said now was basketball IQ. Do you think that this team, maybe if it's not as talented, quote unquote, talented on paper as some of Hoiberg's other teams have been, will be a smarter basketball team? And do you think that will make like a tangible difference? I do um, simply partially like Sam, uh, Sam Griesel, I think is a smart basketball player. And that's everything that we've heard. That's what Nebraska has seen his teammates and his coaches have seen from him. He's a guy that's going to go make the right play, going to make the unselfish play, um, going to look to set other guys up, look to score when um, he has the advantage. Um, he's not a guy that's going to pound the air out of the ball, but Fred Hoiberg said it said he is going to have the ball in his hands the majority of the time on the court. Um, so that's, I think just very different style watching Griso compared to Alonzo Verter Jr. last year. So the guy that's going to have the ball the most and, and even a Bryce McGowan's who um, talented, but is a freshman playing at the level for the first time and trying to figure out, all right, um, what do I need to do to be successful? Which parts of my game um, can, can I rely on and not get a lot of help outside of him, which kind of led to uh, making the game more difficult than it probably uh, that you would have liked to see. So um, I, I think We've seen Emmanuel Bandamel, uh, again, is a guy that – and that, that's kind of the, the theme. Like, the, the guys that they brought in come from winning programs. They've seen what winning looks like up close. It's not just Derek Walker looking back at his first two years at Tennessee anymore. You look at uh, Verge, came from Arizona State, uh, which that's not exactly uh, a premium program right now. Like, they've got a lot of lot, – they've had a lot of issues over there the last few years um, under Hurley. Um, you, you look at – Guys, it's just they're relying on again. Bryce was a freshman looking at guys like see, uh, uh, Kobe Webster came from a bad Western Illinois program. Um, so none of these guys really had experienced winning outside of there. And he even said, like, one thing that he admires in Greasel is th- his kind of take charge ability, the, the way that he steps up and uses his voice, whether it's grabbing guys and huddling guys up in the middle of a game, like heading into clutch moments. Um, or whatever it may be, like he wishes he was a bit more like that um, by nature. And Derek, I think, has been a good leader for this program. Thank you. Um, but he uh, said, like Sam, kind of adds another dy- dynamic to that. And it's a guy that's been there and done that. And so I think he, that's kind of what they rely on. Juwan Gary is a guy that played for a good Alabama program that's been in the NCAA tournament. He's not a high-scoring guy. Uh, he's not a, ever going to be a first option or whatever, but he plays hard and he's played, he's start, he's started games for a winning program. So Hoiberg's relying on a lot of that kind of that winning experience. He's trying to build the culture that way to bring in these guys that have experienced good culture, as opposed to just throwing a bunch of guys together and hoping that the culture uh, just comes along. And I think the IQ is part of that. We'll see Derek Walker, I think um, took a massive step up last year. Um, so he's going to be one of your key guys. Sam's going to be one of your key guys. We'll see kind of what Bandamel looks like on, on this team. Uh, and then CJ Wilcher in, in year two. Um, uh, they've liked Wilhelm Breinbach, who is going to start at the four this year, coming off the injury. Hoiberg really likes his IQ and his ability to make passes, um, t- to shoot the ball, and uh, just kind of be that connecting piece as, as a kind of a stretch four type. So um, I, I definitely think that this team – Looks a little different. It's going to have to play different. And I think that's probably a good thing. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. 
we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, and Hoiberg announced the starting five at his Thursday availability, right? It's Sam Griesel at the one, Bannamel at the two, Wiltshire at the three, Breedenbach at the four, Derek Walker at the five. Yep. Any surprises there? No, that's the, the one question mark that I had was that four spot with Gary versus Breidenbach coming off the injury. But it sounds like he's uh, Breidenbach's done really well. He's 100% fully healthy. He's got all the confidence back. And I, I asked Derek Walker about him, like playing with him. Um, and he said he just, he loves him. He loves playing with him. Um, he just loves being around him. <laughs> said he fouls a lot, but uh, he, he likes that too because he's being aggressive and he's being physical. And uh, so we'll see what that looks like. But um, yeah, Derek really just kind of raved about him a little bit. And we know Hoiberg's been high on him since uh, they, they landed him as a recruit. So. We'll see kind of what year two looks like. We only got to see 10 games of him, and it wasn't very good. But now he's got a full um, kind of offseason under his belt. Uh, he's been healthy for a lot of it. Uh, and we'll see if he can build on that and be that the guy that they need as that stretch four. So Hoiberg's first season, they're 152nd in adjusted defensive efficiency by Ken Palm. That would be 2019. They jumped to 40th yeah. in 2020. Last year, they go down to 178th. They've never shot above 33.3% from the three-point line in Hoiberg's three years. So is it, it is it like, take a stab at the identity of this team. Is it going to be efficient offense, more efficient offense than it has been? Is it going to be defense? Is it going to be, like, kind of like what, you, what, what we've been talking about, sort of that, like, grindstone, like, they're just going to be a team that, is not going to be fun to play against. Yeah, it's the, the latter is what they're shooting for. And I think the offense is a question. It, it really is. We'll have to see. Uh, Sam Griesel, he took a huge leap in his last year at North Dakota State. And so he took a leap from sophomore to junior year when they kind of moved him into that point guard spot. And then he took another leap from junior to senior year. Um, and the game he's, he's talking talk about, the game slowed down for him. Like he, the three balls started falling at a different rate last year. Um, he's just such a uh, much better player. Problem is he didn't play any ma high major teams last year. So how, how much of kind of like his actual production will translate to the Big Ten, the way he plays? I did a, um, a film study. You can go check out all my film studies on kind of the newcomers and the returners on hillvarsity.com. Uh, I put a lot of work into those. Uh, I think those 
good stuff to get you ready for the season. But um, I, I don't know. Like he played a lot of bully ball, he, a lot of back guys down. He's not he's not explosive. Like he's good, a good athlete, long, can get to the rim. But it's a lot of kind of methodical play where he's uh, just kind of gradually moves his defender to get to his spot on the floor and then goes up with the shot or makes the right pass. Um, so we'll see kind of how that who who are opposing teams going to put on him defensively um, wh- and what kind of advantages versus non-advantages will that create? So we'll see. I, I have no idea what this offense is going to look like. C.J. Wilcher, good year, um, first year, uh, pretty limited player, though. Um, good shooter. They're going to rely on him for that. He said he's he's trying to he's working to become more of kind of a read and react player where you chase him off the line. He is more of a threat to go do something with the ball. Um, or you don't, he's going to make you pay and let it fly. Um, and um, that's something I think that will be a big key. If you can, if you have more well-rounded players, that, that certainly helps. But the, the biggest thing is guys filling their roles. You need uh, Walter to shoot 40% from three. You need, if Casey Tomanaga or Jamarcus Lawrence, whoever is going to kind of be that shooter off the bench, you need those guys to shoot better than 33%. Like those guys have to hit shots to space the floor for the other guys. And that's something that we just haven't seen throughout the, the Hoiberg tenure so far is role players actually playing their roles to a high rate. There just haven't been enough of those guys. And then that's kind of compounded the issues where the best players, now suddenly they don't have spacing and they're trying to force things because they don't have room to work with. And then everybody plays below their count level. So that's going to, I don't know who consistently creates advantages against good Big Ten teams right now. That is the biggest question to answer on the offensive side of the ball, and we won't have an answer until we see it. But defensively, and kind of the grit, the, the play hard, like that's what they're going to try to hang their hat on because they can't control that. Um, they can't ultimately control how well they score the ball, um, like the shots going in, all, all that sort of thing. But um, they, they can control that their, their rotations are better, that they're helping each other out there in the gaps that they're fighting on the defensive glass. They're putting a body on guys and pushing them back instead of giving up a bunch of offensive rebounds. Like those are the things that they're going to try to, to live on. And then hopefully that will translate to success in other areas of the game. Can, can they execute that? We'll see. They haven't to this point. Uh, but that is the focus, at least during this off season. Yeah. You play hard on one end and good things happen on the other end. You know, sometimes, Damian Lee hits a ridiculous fall away off balance game winning shot on you. Uh, this is just what happens when you when you play hard. Um, I'm glad you you brought up the the role player um, point because that was a, a a point a line that you had in this padding the stats column that I have um, in front of me. Okay, I'm just going to give you guys the headline. Go read it. Padding the stats year four for Fred Hoiberg begins. Simple headline. September 28th is when it was published. Excellent column. Go read it. You should be reading padding the stats every week, by the way. But this one was really good. And the line that you have in here about, yes, there have been problems with the starters, but at the same time, the role players throughout the Hoiberg tenure haven't been talented enough to fill the roles that have been needed of them. And I thought that was an excellent way of putting it. Um, so I'm glad you brought that up. Is Sam Greasel the most important player on the team or is it somebody else? I, I think it, yes, I think it is him. Um, I think probably Derek Walker and Sam Greasel will probably be the best players on this team. Um, just kind of overall, and they're both leaders there, but we, we've got Blaze Keita as a backup for Walker. For the first time, uh, Nebraska has uh, kind of a true backup center. Um, we'll see kind of how 
you never know how guys are going to translate from the JUCO level to uh, the Big Ten, but I think you feel better about his readiness to play now than you ever did with uh, Eduardo Andre or even Ivan Udrago, who had to start for them, or Kevin Cross or any other big guys that they've had right in the front court. PTSD happening right now. (laughs) So... Um, he, he is a guy that's going to be able to give you some minutes, I think. And he's 6'11", 240. Uh, that in itself is different than what we've seen. So Derek is going to be important, but just in terms of positional importance, they're still trying to figure out the backup point guard spot right now. And Hardberg's talked about Emmanuel Bandamel kind of sliding over and handling some of the ball, uh, some of the point guard duties when, when Sam Griesel sits. And kind of I talked about the film studies I did. I did one on him and he showed some promise in in the pick and roll, but he was almost exclusively an off ball guard at SMU. And I think in his skill set, I think uh, lends itself to to being that, like, I don't think he's great with the ball in his hands based on what I've seen to this point. So that's a question mark I have. Um, They've looked at Ramel Lloyd jr. And even Kale Jacobson, the walk on from Ashland who um, is, done well for himself to this point and really impressed the coaches. And basically you ask them about the freshman class. Uh, they include kale with the scholarship guys, not with the walk-ons. Um, anytime you ask about the freshman kale is included with Ramel Lloyd and Jamarcus Lawrence. Uh, and this was a guy that had a uh, uh, summit league offer. Um, and uh, so it's not the typical walk-on that they've gotten. Like kale is uh, kind of a different story, but it still says something that he's kind of in that mix, but Ultimately, like you're looking at a true freshman and a true freshman walk-on uh, if Bandamel isn't great at that spot. So I think you need heavy minutes from, from Sam at that point guard spot. And like Hoiberg said, the, he's going to have the ball in his hands. Um, they'll, they'll run. I'm sure they'll run some more of this stuff, like where they ran the offense through Walker and the high post, and he finds cutters because I think Griso can be effective off the ball as well. But Hoiberg wants Griso to be the guy making decisions, to put guys in the right spots. And so he's going to be the, the key to, and we said who um, kind of consistently can beat uh, their man and create an advantage. Um, I think he's the best bet that they have of someone that can do that just based on kind of the uh, uniqueness of the, his size and the position he plays. And again, we'll see how they defend him, but um, that's for all those reasons. I think he, he's the answer to your question. He's, He's going to be the face of this program, and that's why he's going to be kind of my feature story for uh, my, my preview coming up uh, in the, the basketball issue of the magazine. So hey. uh, look forward to that in November. A little, little foreshadowing. Um, so, okay, you're doing a hypothetical. You're not actually doing this, but hypothetical. You're doing a most intriguing Huskers for the new season basketball edition. Your number one player, again, not importance, not best, most interesting to you. Your number one player is who? Who I so from that that uh, kind of structure there of this question, I'll go with Breidenbach, um, okay. because all the reasons that I said like he played ten games, he played pretty poorly, but they're still high on him, and uh, he's they're plugging him right back into that starting lineup here as he's coming out. I I think he's more of a five defensively um then he is a four but um they've got two fives already in walker and, and Keita. so and you want to of those front court guys you can throw in juan gary there as well who's going to play a, a lot of minutes at the four 
he's the one guy that has a chance to potentially space the floor. And that'll be important with a guy like Grisa, who likes to kind of invert the floor as a point guard who's in the paint, backing his man down, look, uh, working in the post, and then either drawing a double and kicking it out or going to work. So it'll be important that you have shooters around him. Um, and Brian Bach has the potential to be that. Uh, we'll see kind of what it looks like. Um, and again, just coming off the injury as well, what does he look like physically compared to where he was before? All the reports are good. Like he's jumping higher than ever. Um, he feels good about the knees. So um, I, I think he's number one because he can swing a lot of things for this lineup if he is good in that role. I think he can open up some things um, for, for the other guys. And that's what we talked about with role players. You got to be able to fill your role, role well in order for the stars to, to be at their best. And um, that's going to be really important. And I think he is a guy that kind of falls right into that. When coaches start adding the phrase then ever at the end of their practice reports or their assessments, it erodes goodwill. I, <laughs> coaches need to stop putting then ever. Just just jumping higher. Stop there. We practice well. Stop there. We practice better. Stop there. To, to be fair, stop there. No more high. No more. Fair, like Wilhelm did come in. Like he came off a, a knee injury at the tail end of his freshman year, so he wasn't a, like that. That whole first off season was about rehabbing. Like he, it wasn't necessarily about adding strength and getting better. It was just getting back. Um, so um, again, had to come off another injury and had to get through that rehab again. But he did it early up. Uh, much earlier and is ahead of the the process where he was, I think that first year. So um, he has a chance. He has had a chance to spend a lot of time with the, the strength coaches and uh, strengthen his body and coming into, <laughs> I think everybody knew what he looked like uh, coming into the program and he definitely needed that. So you can, as a, as a team, you can hang your hat on um, being tough, physical, beat you up on defense as being a, you know, a, a grindstone team. You can hang your hat on that. That can be your identity. You still have to hit shots. Yes. You still have to make shots. This team has not shot, I said it before, this team has not shot above 33.3% in a season under Fred Hoiberg. So I'm going to give you 33.5% from the three-point line. Does Nebraska shoot over that, or does Nebraska shoot under that this season? Uh, I, I'm feeling optimistic here. Let's go over. If they don't, then they're going to be in a bad spot. It's as simple as that. Because again, like they don't have guys that are going to be able to enforce their will and sh- and bend the defense. I think. So and, why are you feeling optimistic then? So uh, we we talked about Wiltshire, who did shoot the ball well last year and shot the ball really well over the second half of last season. He's in better shape now. Um, that Hoiberg and CJ both talked about kind of the physical transformation that he's gone under, um, help him play longer minutes, sustain uh, his level of play uh, in longer stretches now that he's a starter. Um, so that that's a guy. Uh, Bandamel shot uh, kind of mid-30s, uh, and he's a guy that's confident in his shot. Um, he is not afraid to let it fly at SMU. And he, t- there's some few bad ones in the mix there um, and some wild misses, but he's a guy that, um, you stick him in that corner, you give him the ball, he'll let that thing go. And he's made uh, enough of them to be on the, the positive end of that uh, at SMU. So those are two starters that you figure will shoot 36% and, uh, percent better, somewhere in that range. Um, then 
Breidenbach is a wild card, like we talked about. Like the potential is there for him to shoot, but uh, he's got to he's got to realize that potential. Um, and Griso is a guy that's not a high volume three point shooter, but he improved quite a bit last year. He can hit the open one, um, and I think he was at thirty seven percent last year uh, on kind of again smaller volume, but not he's taken more than one a game, so it's not like he's not shooting at all. Um, so he's a guy that can knock down an open three. Um, and, th- and then from there, you look at uh, Juwan Gary isn't going to be a shooter. Derek Walker isn't going to be a shooter. Blaze Keaton isn't going to be a shooter. But those guys, are, well, I guess Gary might take some. Um, <laughs> but a lot of those guys aren't going to be taking a lot of them. Uh, it's not going to be a case where you've got Bryce McGowan taking seven threes a game, shooting 27%. So by nature, I think they're going to take better threes this year. Their be- they're, they're better shooters are going to take the majority of the shots. Um, and I think that will lead to a better percentage. The question is, uh, so I, I think we're looking at Griso, Bandamel, Wiltshire, Brian Bach, Derek Walker, uh, with Keita and Gary off the bench. Um, that's kind of, I think, your first seven. Hoiberg's talked about Denim Dawson quite a bit. Um, sounds like he's going to be in the rotation, the retro freshman who enrolled last year. Um, that was originally part of this, uh, this incoming uh, freshman class, but uh, enrolled that semester instead. Um, He's, I think the shot is still a question mark with him. Like Hoiberg's talked much more about the defensive side of things and the consistent effort and all those sorts of things. Um, and then beyond that, I, I, I don't know that that's eight guys right there. I think maybe there's room for one more guy. Is that Lloyd? Is that Tominaga? Is that Jamarcus Lawrence? Is that Kale Jacobson? Is that some combination of all those guys, depending on um, matchups and who's playing well, like it, it could change throughout the year, but um can Tomin? I think Tominaga. He takes better shots. He's got another a year in the program. Can he shoot better than thirty three percent? Like some of his underlying numbers and some of the tape was like, uh, yeah, he he clearly can shoot. Like there, the forty six percent in JUCO wasn't a, a fluke, but he's got to change some things as well in order to be more efficient. And um, I think a year of tape under his belt, working with Hoiberg, maybe maybe that'll maybe that'll improve. So if he's a guy, or if he gets beat out by Jamarcus Lawrence, the freshman who Hoiberg said is one of the best shooters on the team, then um, you can bet that he's he's playing well if he beats out and takes Tominaga's spot. Um, I, I don't know about Lloyd, and the shot is definitely something that Jacobson needs to work on compared to kind of the other facets of his game. But I just think there are enough guys there that have the potential to shoot, and I think they'll be smarter about who's taking the shots. Um that will allow them to end up shooting a, a better percentage. Well, that's the thing. I mean, if you're touting the sort of the, I guess, emotional maturity of your team, the basketball IQ of your team, I mean, you're going to be taking smarter shots. Like you're not going to be taking quick shot clock threes. You're not going to be taking like bad pull-up threes, especially so if you want, you know, if you're really committed to the defensive side of the floor, you're not going to want to compromise your defense by taking bad shots. You're not going to want to put yourself in compromising positions. And that'll be, I guess that'll be a test of, of how committed they are to that aspect of their game is what the shot selection looks like on offense. Um, Griso, correct me if I'm wrong. Griso was not the leading scorer on his own team in the summit league last year. He was second, right? Uh, I believe so. Rocky cruiser, I think, um, a pretty good big guy, um, but it wasn't like a huge disparity. But yes, he wasn't. He okay. he was more content to 
Um, yeah. So Cruiser was at 15 and a half. He was a little over 14. Okay. Do you think he'll be the leading scorer on this team, or do you think it'll be somebody else? Because if I mean, if he's going to be the point guard, if he's going to be sort of that featured guy, like naturally that role is there for you to be. You're just going to have the ball in your hands a bunch more. But you know, maybe if he's distributing, like, do you think he's going to be the leading scorer, or do you think it's going to be somebody else? That that is the question, and uh, I don't know the answer to. I think he'll be there. Um, like, it'll be him. It'll be Derek Walker. It'll be C.J. Wilcher. Um, it'll probably be those three guys, but like a- as good as Walker was last year, he's still single digits. He was nine and a half points a game. And like as much as Lonzo Verge dribbled the air out of the ball, he had good chemistry with Walker in the pick and roll and they were really effective when they ran it. Um, so what, what does that look like with Greasel and with the new guards? I don't know. Like I, I don't, it'll probably be around, like, I don't think he's suddenly going to jump to a 15-point-a-game guy. Like, he'll probably be right around that 10 again. Bandamel average right around 10 a, uh, 10 a game at SMU. If I had to bet, I'd take the under on his scoring average compared to the over, just moving up from the, the um, um, American to the the Big Ten. Um, but Greasel, you can also probably – how is that going to translate from the summit to the Big Ten? So, like – I don't know who the leading scorer is going to be on this team. Um, I don't know that they're going to have anybody score 15 a game. Um, it'll probably be more 11, 12, 10, 8, 9, like as a starting, something like that. Um, and that is kind of where my question marks uh, in particular on the offensive side of the ball, is who is going to be the, the leading scorer, who is going to be the guy that can go create. I, I think Risa will be part of that. I just don't know, like, where where does he settle in from that balance perspective of going to get his versus setting up other guys? I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Let's face it. People have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. 
and their temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yeah. Yeah, and that's always the, particularly as a, as a newcomer on a team, as a transfer on a team, that's always tough to sort of find that balance early on um last one i have for you over under 12 and a half wins which way you lean in oh boy um i have not gone through the schedule um there are a lot of high major teams on the schedule but then again a lot of the non-conference teams they play aren't particularly good high majors i think the Big Ten, like the bottom half in particular, will be down this season. I just don't think those teams are as talented as the rosters were a year ago. So there might be some potential for a um, for scraping out a win here or there. They got 10 last season. Um, so 12 and a half is where you said it, right? 12 and a half is where I'm putting it. That's History should tell me to take the under. Um but like I said, I'm feeling positive. Let's say they at least get to 13. Well, because theoretically for Hoiberg to be safe, they have to clear that, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, definitely. Like you basically, they, they got to show that the that he's taking all the things that Albert's talked about, that we've talked about throughout this podcast, and can make it and make it work. Uh, he's got to show that, hey, that can actually win games. It's not good enough to play hard. You got to show that you can actually execute on top of that. Um, the, the play hard is the baseline and um, we'll see um, they've, they've got a, uh, again, a lot, a lot of high major teams there aren't a lot of, of gimmies, but there are some wins, I think on the schedule, if they can go out and earn them. Um, yeah. It's the fact that it's a really hard question for me to answer. Um, I think you, you've set a really good line there. Because um, I do think this team will be, in, from a playing basketball perspective, I think this team will be better um, this season than the, it was a year ago, even if it doesn't have the same top-end talent. Like the, I don't think there's anybody as individually talented as Bryce McGowan's on this team, or even even Verge. Like for all his flaws, that's a guy that can go out and make a play for you. And he was very, very good in some of those games. Um, I don't know if they have that, but one through 10, I think they'll be stronger. And is that enough to get wins in the big 10? I don't know. Um, I mean, you probably be safe to bet against them to take the under. Um, but I, I think the potential is there for, I, I, they're not going to compete for a big 10, not can compete for a tournament bid, anything like that. But I think with the, the change that Hoiberg's made, the things that he's emphasizing, this has a chance to kind of be a foundational year. Um, and if like they can do those things well, if they show like, yes, we can play sound, we can play hard, we can make the right plays. And I, I think that will translate into some wins where it, uh, if they were able to do, let's say, put it this way, if they were able to do those things last year, 
they win more than 10 games. They just, they gave away so many games because of their bad fundamentals, their lack of communication uh, defensively in the clutch, a lack of rebounding, a lack of making a free throw in the clutch, uh, making a good decision, taking the right shot. They gave away so many games in close situations last year because of all that little stuff. And if that's better, um, maybe you steal a few more of those where uh, even if the, the team isn't significantly more talented, it is a better basketball team. They do play better basketball as a team. We found out this week that Frost had a number. We found out what it was. It was six. Do you think Hoiberg has a number? I, I don't know. Like explicitly yeah. like outlined yeah. in a contract, but like, does he have a number? Yeah. That, that's the question. Like, that's the interesting thing because we know that um, like Trev wanted to just kind of do it informally and that Scott is like, no, let's get this, uh, let's get this written down. And Fred was like, cool. <laughs> that's yeah. That's uh, he, he was fine with uh, them not putting it down uh, in paper somewhere. Um, so it was kind of interesting how those two played out uh, very different approaches to basically the same solution for, for mm-hmm. the two coaches. Yep. Um, so I, I don't know where that conversation went uh, because it never did get to the point where um like we've got this down. You got to, if you do this, then you'll get this. Um, it, it very well could be more along the lines of that quote that he gave. Um, like looking at th- those wouldn't be metrics then. So I don't, the question is like how much of like the actual metric talk uh, was that just with Frost or was that, the, was it basically the same thing that Hoiberg? Uh, Cause there is no equivalent of a bowl game. Like that, that, like the six wins, it was, you got to get to a bowl game, basically. Like that's, you have to win. Bare minimum. Yeah. Bare Um, minimum to get to a bowl game. There is no bowl game in college basketball. Like there's the NCAA tournament. That's quite a bit different than just simply making a bowl as a 500 team. Uh, The NIT, I guess. But again, that's still uh, a ways off from, from where they are now. Um, so like if you have to, you have to go make the tournament to, to keep your job, then I don't even know that like, that's a conversation worth having. Like if it's at that point, then it it is what it is. Like you got to pull off a miracle to get this done. And I don't know that that's a conversation that you necessarily go out and have like, cause like, what are you going to talk about there? Like, yeah, you got to go from 10 wins to making the tournament. I don't think that's the case, but, um, like you maybe I, I don't know that Trev's a guy that's gonna be big into like Ken Palm numbers, like, hey, you gotta clear a certain point here, you gotta you gotta you gotta finish top one hundred in defense. Like I don't think that's part of the metric. I would love it if he were. I would love it if Trev's metric for Fred Hoiberg was finished like top one fifty in Ken Palm or something <laughs> like that. That would certainly be interesting. So um I yeah, I, I don't know what exactly those look like. Again, it's like uh, Trev's a, a football guy. Uh, so you kind of feel like he knew maybe he looks at football a little differently than any of his other programs, um, just in terms of like what he feels like he knows and his level of expertise in the sport and his ability to analyze and evaluate the X's and O's of very specific things that are happening on the, on the, the field versus maybe, maybe he's not as confident in some of those other sports. So he, maybe it, again, I, I don't know what 
Trev needs to see. It's got to be a step forward. It's got to be a step towards, hey, this is something that you can do every single year that will allow you to move forward as a program. Um, it's got to be things that are translatable, that it isn't, hey, you brought in a few transfers to plug some holes this year, and now you and hope just tr- try to get by. And then it's got to be something that's sustainable that shows, hey, you know what you're doing. This is something that can work for you at this program. I think that's ultimately what he needs to be able to see, to, to have confidence in, in Hoiberg leading this program moving forward. And if he can't do that with this kind of this change in style, with the, the change in coaching staff, um, bringing in the, the players that he did, then uh, it's probably not going to happen. Like, um, so that's this well, is a chance I mean, to show we can win this way. The word that you used earlier to describe what the, the year could potentially be foundational, like that feels like – like, can you can you show that there's a foundation? Yeah, because you, you know, I, I would argue, and and you, could, I mean, you could feel free to disagree with me, but I would argue that the like the foundation of the Fred Hoiberg era right now, like the like the what is this is just a they're going to bring in a bunch of transfers. Yeah, I don't know what else it would be. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing. You look at this roster; they've got three super seniors in Greasel and Derek Walker and Bandamel. Um, those are guys that all three of those guys, they got one more year and they're out. They got a young roster outside of that. So you've got a Ramel Lloyd Jr., uh, Denim Dawson, Jamarcus Lawrence. These guys have four years of eligibility ahead of them. Blaze Keita, uh, because of the COVID deal, only one of his JUCO years counted. So he's got three years of eligibility left uh, if he wants to use it. Um, CJ Wilcher has three years of eligibility left. Um, last year it was his kind of second freshman year because of the COVID year. Um, so you're going to be losing those seniors that are the leaders of the program. That'll be probably the three most important players on the team, but can what they establish in this first year, can they kind of teach those other guys that have the chance to be in this program moving forward? Can they mold that into a core that can win that, that understands what it takes to win? That's ultimately the most important thing. Um, if he is going to be here long-term, because again, it's kind of, it's an interesting roster where you've got those transfers that you need to come in right away and to be good, but you also got a large group of guys that have the potential to be here long-term. Yeah. Jacob, you got to go. You've got work to do, writing still to be done, I'm I'm sure, with uh, with talking to Hoiberg and a couple of players this morning. Thank you for coming on the podcast. It's a pleasure to, uh, to chat with you again. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, you you, you want to hear... More basketball thoughts. Uh, you can listen to Nebraska Shoot Around. We are back, Bigelow and I. We're going to have another uh, episode out for you before the Shadron State exhibition. So if you didn't get enough hoops talk this uh, in this episode, go search that out. Uh, subscribe to that as well. And I'm sure I'll be talking to you throughout this season, Derek. Yeah, we back. Um, yeah, Shadron State on Sunday. Season begins in a couple weeks. We back. We back. Basketball's back. It's kind of fun. For your uh, sake, but, I'm hoping for 70 plus games of Shea Gildas Alexander. I yeah. you, you can you can lose with him still playing. That's the deal. Like they don't have to sit down every single one of their actual NBA players. Like you can still you can build a, a core and get go, uh, guys experience without like while still losing. This is true. And then we could try to trade the billion draft picks that we have and one of the players that looks decent this season or a couple of the players that ends up looking decent this season to try to get up to number one. He's got, I mean, he's got, he should have the assets for it. He should, he should have the assets for it. 
maybe that means trading Shea. I don't want to go there yet, though. Um, but yeah. <laughs> no, we're not going there yet. We're not going there yet. No. Hey, a, a scoot and Shea backcourt would be fire as well, though. We're going to see how like, this looks. Yeah, it's but not just, it's, just, it's not just Victor. Like, uh, uh, Amen Thompson, like, he, he'd look really good next to Shea as well. I mean, like, I mean, I mean, the drop off from Victor to, to the other guys, like, and maybe, maybe like the okay. Did you see the quote that Victor gave about Scoot? He was like, "If I hadn't been born, he'd be the number one pick." Like, I want that dude right. on my team. He's I want right. that dude on my team. And he's a hundred percent right. And like, Scoot probably would have went number one in some of these recent drafts as well. Like the leap that he's made from where he was. Like, did you watch that game between those two, the first one? No. Okay. Well, you, I you should have uh, go back and try to find the, the tape or whatever. Like it was. Absurd. Like those guys were incredibly good back and forth, answering each other right down the stretch. It was like lived up to the hype and then some. Like they hyped the heck out of that game for the the way they've been talking about these guys. And they lived up to it. It was a phenomenal basketball game. Like Victor hit seven threes, dropping 30 and 10 and whatever that oh, like five blocks, like something that nobody has even done in the NBA. He just looked like a dinosaur. He looks and, like a, he's just so huge and he's so fluid. It's ridiculous. I see him coming off catch and shoot threes. And I'm like, you're not supposed to be able to move that way when you're that big. Like I can't even move that way. And I'm <laughs> so much slower to the ground that, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's wild. This will be, this will be a fun season. Hopefully I, your Phoenix suns. Hey, I like the, the, um, the Phoenix, what are the, the statement uniforms, by the way, those are cool. Um, I need Deandre Ayton to do well. Cause he's on my fantasy basketball team this year. Um, not by choice. Not by choice. I will tell you. I wanted I wanted somebody else and he went right before. And so I had to scramble and I scrambled drafted DeAndre yeah. in the center. I will say he and Booker together in that fourth quarter, like, like he and Booker were really, really good. Like that two man chemistry, like that that was very encouraging the way those two played off of each other in that game. And like he had eighteen and ten to start the season. Um, I'm just always hesitant about trouble. drafting players the year. Like after getting paid the year they get paid. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You want them the year before they get paid the year after they get paid. Sometimes they're really good, but I'm just, a, I'm a little, a little uneasy. I, I think the kind of the, the counter to that is uh, Aiden does seem like a guy. Yeah. He got his money, but he also wants to uh, do more. He wants more responsibility on the offensive end. It seems like the Suns may try to, give him that chance I, i'm skeptical of how well he can do it uh but that that is an avenue for the team to get better considering they literally made no upgrades in the offseason uh so they may hey, know have... they, hey hey no they added damian lee okay yes Don't, sorry um just damian lee erasure no yes i again did not have damian lee game winner <laughs> on my my bingo card for the entire season but i will take it um but yeah so i i, I think Aiden won't go on and have a good, a solid season for you. Like he's not going to put up Jokic numbers, but he'll he'll be a uh, solid like eighteen and 10, 20 and ten type of guy for you more often than not. He was like my fifth or sixth pick. So if he can do if he can do eighteen and ten without foul trouble, without poor shooting, we'll be good. Um, Jacob, thank you for coming on. Like yeah. Jacob said, go subscribe to hillvarsity.com backslash subscribe. Use the promo code Varsity. Make sure that you're able to read everything that Jacob is writing, everything the team at Hill Varsity is writing. Basketball is getting started, which means Jacob is going to be a very, very busy person over the next however many weeks until football ends. He's got basketball, football, and volleyball. 
Uh, so make sure that you're reading all of it. Also, listen to his podcast with Jacob Bigelow. It's good. It's coming back. Uh, shouts to you guys for listening to this episode every week. Shouts to Cam for producing this episode every week. Shouts to Trey Palmer, <laughs> Bolitnikov leader who's leading the FBS in receiving yardage. Can you win a Bolitnikov award if your team only wins four games, five games? I don't know. We should look into that. It'll probably need a few more touchdowns to go with the yardage total, but uh, he'll, he'll be in the mix at least. Hey, 33.9 yards a catch in one game on seven catches is absurd production. Like, if you go back and look through Jordan Addison's year last year. I still maintain that Drake London wins the award if he doesn't get hurt. But go back and look through Jordan Addison's year last year. He had some very big games, but he was just, like, really consistent. Trey Palmer's been consistent with some really big games. Have another few big games. Just go for 200 against Michigan, and I will vote for you. I might vote for him now, but go for 200 against Michigan, and I will vote for you as a Blitnikoff winner. I hope they keep Casey Thompson upright enough for him to throw down the field far enough for Trey to get 200 yards. That That's my big worry. Well, I mean, the other thing is it's not, you know, we don't have to worry about them taking their best, like, receiver talent and not using them as a receiver. Like, it seems like they're going to yeah. Yeah, continue to throw it at them, so that's good. Um, shouts to Trey Palmer, 781 yards, leading the country in receiving yards. And all of you for listening every week, like I said. We'll be back next week. Thanks, guys. Ahura Media Production.